Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing off-pitch referees and the controversies surrounding them. Chris, tell us about it. Why, tell us what, why are we talking about this? Uh, so there's a recent um, international friendly uh, football match um, between uh, England and Italy. And um, England were 1-0 up and doing quite well in this match. And then in the 87th minute, uh, one of the Italian attackers uh, fell over in the, in the box, uh, the penalty box. And um, for the... First time, certainly um, in relation to, to English football, uh, a video assistant referee was was called upon, um, and the the referee uh, used effectively a, um, an instant replay uh, and um, an off pitch referee who interprets that um, uh, that video replay to uh, look at what what happened in this incident, and he awarded uh, a penalty as a result, and um, Italy. Uh, scored the equaliser and this has caused a bit of uh, controversy because it's the the first time uh, in in foot football that uh, you know a sort of high profile event like this has, has happened because at, at the moment um, in uh, in the, in association football um, this is only being trialled this approach in f- international friendly games. It's not widely used in all of the competitive matches. So uh, this this is a sort of trial of it, and it's the first time it's it's come up as being um, controversial in some way. So just sorry, I have some questions. I'm not an expert on football and stuff, but from I mean, given, given that these matches are covered by millions of TV cameras anyway. Was was it the right decision? I mean, was was this guy, you know, tripped or whatever? Uh, well, I, I mean, uh, yes, it was very, very, um, it was very, very sort of subtle. So it, it would have, it would have been almost impossible to to spot without this this uh, instant replay. Yeah, and, what ac- what and, actually happened? What's the uh, so um, an Italian attacker is sort of dribbling along with the ball. And an attacker often, being a type of footballer. Yes, okay. one who's trying to score goals. Right, okay. Uh, and uh, sort of two of the England defenders come to kind of um, stop him. And then at one point, uh, the foot of one of the um, uh, English defenders catches the foot of the Italian defender. And okay, he, and he so... Over. But it, but, uh, there, it ha- the, so this is a key bit of context. Italian attackers in particular are renowned for pretending to be fouled. In or it, but is it, is that just a racist line? In fact, it turns out they we we just really good exactly. at fouling them. We've been fouling <laughs> so, them for years. So this ironically <laughs> this turns out to be the one Italian striker who wasn't diving in the box. Yeah, so can I just clarify about the rules about fouling as I understand it? There is an element of intent as well. Like if you can if you can prove that you were trying to get the ball then it wouldn't be a foul. Is that right or is that completely no, wrong? No, if... Uh, so, and, and this is why this is really interesting, right? Because um, th- it is something which is down to interpretation to some extent. But if you um, if you make contact with the, other, with the other player and that causes them to fall over, then that, that is a foul. Whether or not you, you meant to 
cause them to fall over or not. If you were trying to tackle them and you miss the ball and you trip them up, that is still impeding them from doing what they were trying to do. Right. So, and this video evidence, presumably, whatever it was they drew on, that was freely available for other people to look at. Yes. Yes. So as they're showing this this replay, everybody else is is seeing it as I think all as they've well. done is just incorporate the existing um cameras that are there for every single football match of this kind. Right. But okay, so what so where's the controversy then? Uh well, so the the controversy comes down to mainly whether or not this um this approach should be used. And and even with all these replays, it still wasn't a clear-cut decision so it still it still wasn't absolutely unambiguously a a foul uh, so that's where the controversy comes in and there's always controversy in in these sort of sporting events uh you know where people are partisan um, but I think the sort of the hesitancy that there's been in football to adopt this so rugby already has it for example um but in football it doesn't and I think one of the objections had always been that it interrupts the the flow of yeah. play so if if you look at you know so american sports have had um this kind of thing for quite a long time but if you look at uh a sport like american football um which takes uh over 3 hours for the whole thing to happen but you actually some studies have shown there are only 11 minutes of actual action and play even though there's a 60 minute game clock that's certainly my experience watching it (laughs) is i don't know it seems to be a bunch of people sitting around yeah and then and then an advert so obviously in that context (laughs) i haven't tried a few extra seconds here and there to go over a replay for for the precious 11 minutes of of actual action uh is is not interfering with the dynamic of the game in any way but football you know it's in cricket it's in rugby but But i mean what how what's the argument to suggest that it wouldn't improve the accuracy of decisions because I, I get, get there's going to be a cost in time and that's certainly costly but I would guess most people would rather uh, uh, spend an extra 30 seconds given that goals in you know and, and things that are let's say extremely game sensitive so the awarding of penalties and so on I mean they're very rare in in football so why would anyone begrudge the use of these technologies? Is yeah, there some so, some so, reason to believe that they might lead to worse decisions? Well, so there are so there are four types of things you can use. So FIFA have already written this into the rules how you can use this um, uh, this technology, uh, and um, there are four things which you can use it for: uh, goals being scored, penalty decisions, uh, when somebody gets given a red card. And also for cases of mistaken identity, where they accidentally book, uh, uh, give a yellow card or red card to the wrong wrong player for some reason. Right. So, so it's defined. So they're only, like you say, the big the big calls in a match. Um, but I think there is some element of um, it being so. You have this this person in a separate room outside of the context of the game objectively analyzing things and then you have the referee on the pitch who is having a rapport with the players and part of the sort of flowing dynamic of the of of the game that all sounds like um, a bit of an insider's view of what referees oh yeah yeah oh, no, i mean absolutely I, yeah because because i uh, i suppose my first reaction is it sounds like disappointingly in this controversial example even there it's not clear-cut it's not like well it went from Obviously, you know, it's a, a thing that the referee didn't see, but the cameras did see it, and it was definitely a foul. 
this sounds like it still might only have, yes, might and, and, have been a foul. And so I would say this is probably going to be the minority of cases where it gets used is where it is still marginal. You know, you know, very often the wrong decisions that become really controversial, when when you see the replay, you uh, it's all cleared up. So, you know, like it's really obvious. So like the Maradona hand, hand, the hand of, of God, God goal. Uh, you know, that would have been resolved by something like yeah. this. Yeah. So, look, but what I want to do is sort of concentrate our, concentrate our minds a little bit here. So having established for Nick's sake, um, because you're a bit of a sort of babe in the wood with, when it comes to physical sports. Isn't yes. Um, is, is okay, we've established why and what it is and why it's set up and why it's controversial within the game. However, what I'm interested in is why is it of interest to us? Why is it of interest to Aleph Insights? Wait, wait, wait. I don't think we've quite covered it. No. Because I think the assumption is that referees are making bad decisions, right? That's that's that, that or at least yeah. that sometimes they're making yeah. bad yeah, decisions. Yeah, mistakes are made. No. Yeah. So I I was I was kind of interested in whether football referees uh do make um well, let's say biased decisions. That's something you can test for. I mean in a sense you can't really test if you don't have a ground truth. Yeah. You can't test for you can't test for rightness or wrongness. You don't. You can't sort of say, well, the you know, seventy percent of the calls that that referees make are right, unless you have some objective definition of right. But you can look for, look at what happens to um, to different outcomes for different referees and different nationalities, and then you know, in international games, looking for who gets awarded what with what frequency. Because you might say, well, look, we'd expect every time Spain and Italy play each other the expected frequency of of you know bad behavior or good behavior on both sides ought to be the same um but if it turns out that there's significantly more rewards to, in italy's favor when they're playing in italy and vice versa when they're in spain then that's evidence for bias and and so i i had a look and there's it's amazing how little is out there like how little this has been studied i found one paper which was um uh doman and salman 2015 which Found they, they they say that there is uh, you know significant statistically significant evidence of bias um, on the part of referees, which they they uh, through through um, stoppage time, which obviously you know the less stoppage time you have, the more that favours the current leader, um, warding goals, free kicks, uh, giving of cards and and penalty awards, they they find that there is bias. So I suppose what I'm saying is accuracy aside there's also a bias element which which is worth thinking about can we, w- would this help with that but it sounds a bit like it might be the case that you know there's prospects for bias in the in the, the potentially the but they're obviously well. not on 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 the pitch so they are you know they're not subject and, and they're able to you know go over it again and again and uh they also there is also an assistant assistant at some of these games. So there are two of them able to review it. And then the referee themselves has the final call. So they can either uh, they can either change their mind based on what they hear from uh, the, the video assistant or um, they can look at it themselves and they can go over to a little area and also look at the, uh, the replay. Um, I mean, just talking about these biases, I mean, I don't know if... if if the new technology would help or, or, or would change things because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, because lots of the examples you were talking about would not be covered, I think, by the by the new technology. So just, I think, the general, like, general awarding of a free kick or things like that, I don't think that gets reviewed. No. 
Um, um, so, and those were amongst the biases that you talked about. But also, you talked about, for example, if it's Italy and Spain, and looking back at the games between those two countries in in the two countries. But what about? And actually, when this stuff is really big, is is when they're playing at competitions, um, international competitions. Yeah, where I, I'm might... just saying that's a way you could use it to test for bias. You, could, you without even knowing, uh, you could just look at the frequency of awards of different things in different countries. You know, so that you can find out if the referee makes it has makes significantly different decisions one way or the other. Um, but anyway, look, these things have been obviously around for quite a long time. So we, it sounds a bit like there's still some subjectivity in this case. But with things like um, in tennis, Hawkeye has been operating yeah. since 2001, and that's with a, a couple of other of instances I've found where it's demonstrably gone wrong. Seems seems to be completely uncontroversial now. But I guess that wasn't the case when it was brought in. No, and I, and I think the the technologies have improved and got and, and got better. And it, there's also this sort of distinction between kind of factual decision making. So did the ball go over the line? You know, the the, the whole um, Russian linesman uh, 1966 World Cup final um, uh, kind of controversy. You know, which that, which we're all really familiar with, right? Okay, this is this is. Are you in, not familiar England, with it? England winning the World Cup and their <laughs> yeah. third goal, which was sort of crucial in the match, uh, hit the crossbar and then bounced possibly over the line or possibly not over the line, depending on whether you're English or German. Uh, and this is still a controversy to this day. And a Russian linesman told the referee that it did go over the line, but we still don't know the answer to that. You know, the footage is 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 non conclusive. Um, but the point is. That ball did either go over the line or didn't go over the line, and and there would have been some way of verifying that. So those are sort of factual type decisions. But there are other decisions like whether or not something is a foul, which is a, a one that's open to interpretation. You know, was uh, um, you know was their intent? Were they going in that direction? Were they going to do something useful? Did they you know did they fall over too easily? Yeah, and then Where, there's there's things like the the LBW. Uh, rule, which they also use. I think it's is it Hawkeye that they use for, for in cricket to yeah, work they out use whether a or not. Technology to, yeah. yeah, so um, you know, I guess people who aren't familiar with cricket, uh, something is an LBW, and means that. What does it mean? <laughs> that, does it mean, it means, it means your 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 um, your legs have your impeded leg prevents the, the trajectory ball. And, and the ball what, what does that mean? Someone the other side get a point or something, or you get sent off. You you you, you, you you're um, out. out yes. You're out. Right. So basically, if you use your leg to stop the ball hitting the wicket when you should have used your bat, then the the rule is your leg shouldn't be there. You should be invisible as a batsman. Only your bat should be there. Yes. And if your leg impedes the ball hitting the wicket, that's as though the ball. Hit actually wicket, hit yes, the wicket right. that's the idea yeah. and so and so i think they they use hawkeye to to project the path of that the ball would have yeah, taken that had the and leg one not other be thing, there. but yeah yeah so so and uh, i mean i guess that's quite that's accepted now right apparently it's only been in use i think since 2009 which surprised me but um yeah so there's there's that element as well, well so, so we've got so we've got sort of things that are yes or no which are factually were the case or not which we can measure then we have in the middle we've got things where we, a rule kind of depends on what would have happened and then we have further out things that are still potentially subjective because they depend on some sort of assessment of you know of intent possibly okay yes right but right. i feel that you know we're, we're actually some way into our podcast and we i still don't think we've got to the kernel of what we want to discuss which is that i mean 
broadly speaking, it seems like there's a, a dispa- dispassionate way of 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 judging whether a foul or an error or, or has occurred within a sports game. Um, and but why are we interested in that? Because thus far we can we can just say you know that seems like a really good idea. But why why do we want to talk about that? I mean, what's the Aleph viewpoint on this? What are we looking at here? Well, I think I think there's a, a couple of things. Uh, one um, one is the sort of framework Nick was was looking at there about you know things things which were e- either true or false, uh, or you know c- kind of binary type decisions or things um, where there is an element of interpretation and how you handle those two different types of, of decisions. Um, and then the the uh, other one um, is about um, breaking out uh, decision making and using separation from the environment itself in some way to to inject objectivity into it. So you know, uh, um, in in our in our cases, you know, uh, if you're too close to being um, uh, to the to, if you're cl- too close to having a vested interest in the decision you might not be the best person uh, you might not be the best person to um uh, to provide the analysis to support that uh, that, that that decision um so you know actually having people in a separate room off the pitch not having a relationship with the players who are running around and shouting at you or, or whatever uh, that actually may be a way of building in better better decision making mm. so broadly it sounds like you know it wouldn't be surprising if Aleph had the view that the more you can remove emotion from a decision the better to a point but I, I mean so I think it's it's about a combination of both so you want some you want somebody on the pitch running around getting that sense of you know what's what's going on here should should I give this person a yellow card um, or actually, you know, am I sensing that the the game's okay at the moment, and I don't need to to clamp down? You know, I'll, I'll manage it by talking to them. Or you need that that on the ground sense of what's going on between these people in this dynamic environment. But then you also need supporting that someone who isn't biased, who isn't you know vested in that in in that set of circumstances, who's going, hold on a minute, that you know for this particularly important event here's my here's my view on it and you need to consider this before you make the decision but it's also the um, fact that you've got you've got data i mean you've just got data where previously there was just conjecture and narratives and i feel like that's better like if your interest was in trying to make the world of football nicer then actually having data where you'd have to start to become a conspiracy theorist to dispute it is better than both sides telling themselves that they were hard done by. I mean, in terms of sort of making the making the game more civil, reducing the opportunity for cheating, you know, getting rid of situations like the hand of God and, uh, you know, diving, just getting rid of all that stuff. I'm assuming if, if, if you were a football fan, you'd approve of all that, right? I mean, that's... <clears throat> so, and, and I guess it's really no different to decision-making in, uh, in, you know, in companies or in governments. When when you have more information against which you're being held accountable, um, you, you know it kind of it removes the ability uh, of a decision maker to to sort of follow uh, a course of action that's obviously completely unadvised, and and you know that that does happen a lot. You know, but, but when you when you have a, a a sort of something closer to the ground truth, 
um, you, you know, it becomes harder to to start doing things uh, because of your ego or because of, you know, because of uh, some short term priority, because I, I, everyone can see it. You know, we, we no longer are going to accept, well, I'm, you know, I just happen to know because I'm there. I'm the CEO and I just know I've got a sense, you know, it's the atmospherics, it's the mood music. This is the right thing to do. Just in the same way that we, we shouldn't accept anymore. Well, I was the referee. I was standing three feet away. So I know better than anyone else. We shouldn't accept that. No, and, and it also, you know, it, it, like you say, it increases transparency, transparency and it reduces disputes within organizations or within environments because everybody can see uh why a particular decision was was made it's great we want more of it yeah hang on sorry sorry chris have you done refereeing uh i'm i'm not a qualified referee but i have refereed games in a tracksuit with a whistle and that kind of thing yeah yeah. running backwards yeah yeah like uh, like a kestrel for a knave yeah 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 um yeah, no, I just wondered what your, uh, from coming from a referee's point of view, I mean, would you get the sense that in the referee community of which you're a part, uh, yeah, okay. uh, are they in favour of this, against this? Uh, so from what, I, from what I gather, I mean, it, football's a really bad example because officials are really badly treated in football. In other sports like cricket or, you know, rugby, there is more respect for the officials and less pressure brought to bear on them um so there's a strong you know a strong sense within football referees that anything that reduces the abuse they receive is would be good having said that there have been voices where they've sort of said um you know this 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 argument about well it will it will undermine the referee on on the pitch so the fact that you know um you can go to you know this this external source for for decision making for arbitration means that the authority of the referee will be yeah eroded. perhaps there ought to be a cost perhaps you ought to lose 0.1 goals every time you you yeah. ask for a well, decision it, i that. mean the referee himself calls for it but uh, right. we we need to wrap up there but um <clears throat> before we do I actually want to close on an anecdote and a question. So the anecdote, first of all, I was once doing an internship um, in in Geneva and I was living in this hostel where there were all sorts of people from all around the world, pretty much everyone doing internships. But one of the people there was Sudanese um, and he was a referee. He was a qualified referee. In fact, I'm not quite sure what he was doing in Geneva Geneva, because that was his main job, I think. Um, So Sudanese referee, okay. And on occasion, we used to, all of us interns, we used to watch um, whatever football games there might be on. Okay, and it was quite good fun sitting there watching it with him because any time there was a foul or something like that, he would leap out of his chair and and put his arm in the air. And yeah, he would, and he would, and he would say, "Foul! That's a foul." And the interesting thing was because, of course, we had the luxury of watching uh, the replay each time. Every single time, he was right. I mean, it was remarkable. So it gave me a sort of a newfound respect uh, for referees. But what I wanted to ask was this: Um, Chris, clearly a very sporty person. Nick, clearly not a very sporty person. Uh, myself somewhere in the middle I just wanted to ask what was your worst sport what's the sport that you were worst at so take a moment to think about that I know what mine is uh, why don't you kick off then it's so my there. my worst sport was actually I was doing this sport when myself and Nick first met where I was quite into boxing at the time 
Um, but I was quite simply too old and too fat and just not very coordinated. Like Joe Bugner. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and frankly, being a sort of, a, at the time, middle-class North Londoner, I was it was just quite sort of something I could sort of go around talking about how I'd just been to the boxing gym and I was just, you know, it was just something I was sort of put out there and, you know, be quite proud of. But actually, I was rubbish at it. A um, bit like I was rubbish at surfing in a few years previously. So, and yeah, and so I was completely ill-equipped to, to be a boxer and just got beaten up every week, essentially. Um, yeah, so that I was mean, my to, worst. To be honest, I, I really struggled to work out which, which of the very many sports that I hate uh, I, was, I was worst at. Um, but I was going to say surfing, actually. I did it once for about an hour when I was uh, 16. And we went on a school trip to Bude. And... Um, uh, I, I absolutely uh, hated it. My surfboard, which was supposed to be stra- uh, attached to my ankle by a kind of dangly lead thing, kept kept coming adrift and floating off. And I had to keep swimming after it. Um, and obviously, you know, it was freezing cold in the water. And then I got hit in the face by somebody else who was surf. You know, seemed to manage to work out what to do. And this, and I don't know, I don't know how anyone ever gets over this surfing hump because I mean that was it. That was enough surfing for a lifetime for me. Okay, boxing, surfing uh yeah i i think probably snooker um if that's classified as a as a sport uh it's the table is just enormous it's like an Um, olympic swimming pool it's like an olympic swimming pool how i mean you know in terms of appreciating you know what those those um chaps are able to to do it is it is quite incredible because it is a very difficult game to play those green bays athletes yeah that's right with yeah. their cues of steel Honed. yeah okay chaps um we'll have to finish there um well they think it's all over it is now thank you for listening and until next time goodbye mm-hmm.